Hi, this is the Tempter Podcast, where we discuss embedded Linux, IoT development, and anything else we might find interesting. Today we have a guest, Ricard Stubert from Germany, and he's going to talk with us about Qt and Yocto and various other topics that he works with. Maybe you could start off, Ricard, with telling us about the type of work you do and uh, kind of what you're doing these days. Sure. Hi, Cliff, and hi, Kim. Uh, nice that you have me on your podcast. It's a pleasure. And uh, yes, so um, I specialize in building HMIs for industrial machinery. So my marquee projects are driver terminals for what is it? Forage harvesters and sugar beet harvesters. So it's the huge 705, uh, 750 horsepower harvesters. So 80 liters long, 60 tons, something like that. Mm-hmm. And for metal bending machines, you can do metal origami with it. Pretty fancy stuff. And then in nearby areas, so built um, two infotainment systems, one for uh, US. A car maker one for a European one built an e-bike and they actually they are pretty similar to cars and and, and harvesters these days they have can a can network on board hmm. which is amazing <laughs> and yeah so that's that's my marquee projects and what I typically I have for the HMI I typically use QT um, and then I also I help my uh, customers build the the Linux system, customize it. It's typically a Yocto-based Linux system. I haven't had a build root one for for years now. And then it's the the, the whole system. So it's uh, it's the interaction with the user and it's also the communication uh, and the control of the machine. So you can actually on a on a on a harvester you can do a lot more than on a car. You can actually uh, fine tune the motor or so if you if you have the rights to do that, which mm-hmm. as a developer you always have. So sure. you have to be careful. You can actually wreck the motor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I leave that to the people at my customs. <laughs> so a lot of canvas communication and canvas. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually a red thread through my uh, through my. Uh, 10 years of, of solo consulting mm-hmm. and I've, it's now I think the fourth project with Canbus, three of them with J1939, so the construction machines and agriculture machines use J1939, so wrote a couple of code generators and uh, yeah, built uh, the whole communication multiple times. I would love to do that once and then keep the usage rights to that and then sell that as a, as a fixed component uh, to companies. And I'm always wondering, why is everyone reinventing the wheel, doing it again, doing it badly to typically, and why not build it once and then uh, buy it for a fixed price? Mm-hmm. But they don't want to give me the, the usage rights for what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. that's, I think that's a topic we will come back when we when we talk about Yocto a bit bit more. People, yeah. Companies doing the same over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after doing something two or three times, you kind of get an idea how it should be done. Yeah. So that, that's, that's very Otherwise true. Otherwise, you do something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't see the patterns. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I've been a solo consultant for 10 years now and um, doing 
always embedded development, always HMIs for embedded devices. And before that, I worked for Nokia, for the QT uh, business unit of, of Nokia in, in Norway. Uh, before that, for high-tech consultancy in England, and for my start was with Siemens and Infineon in Germany. So mm -hmm. right now I'm back in Germany, a bit east of Munich, enjoying many mountain hikes. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Wonderful. So uh, you mentioned that, um, you know, nowadays you, you work with Qt and Yocto. So um, how did you get into doing Qt and Yocto? Could you kind of like, you know? Yeah, it's uh, uh, into queue. That's a that's an interesting story. So I started working with Siemens in in '97, and we built. Uh, I was tasked to build uh, a GUI for formal verification tool, which is still available, by the way. And most of my work is still available after about 26 years. And I did it with Java, which was all the rage at the time, and I got burned really heavily because. The, uh, the GUI was running remotely on a, on a SunSpark station and then beamed, uh, so uh, every bit uh, walked over to the client side. And so it was, uh, it was painful to see the, the GUI being built up pixel by pixel. <laughs> so and so uh, that wasn't accepted by the customer. And then uh, we looked around and found Qt, which was I think created in 96 so it was two years old but uh, or three years old at that time but was pretty pretty good and then we decided uh, uh, to do to redo the GUI in uh, in Qt which was version 1.44 that was my first Qt version mm -hmm. so then I've I've been doing all the uh, migrations from one to two to three to four to five to six now. So, yeah, that's how it started. And that got me into into Qt. And then Yocto came a lot later because it didn't exist at that time. So you had, I uh, think, uh, I got into Embedded in 2006. And at that time, you had uh, wonderful build systems like LTIP. Uh, mm. So you, you better jumped out of the window because <laughs> that, that, that was really painful to, to work with. It's still around. So I, I came across it some years, uh, some years back uh, for a TopCon A3 terminal. They still use LTIP. Mm. Amazing. Uh, and then came Yocto and that was uh, a lot easier. I think my first uh, embedded system where I built Linux myself was BuildRoot. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I needed three or four attempts to get into Yocto. So the, the learn, initial learning uh, curve is extremely steep. Yeah. Um, and on the third attempt, I really got over the hurdle. And from then on, it was a lot of uh, Yocto projects. Mm. So, so um, it's just Yocto. I think the occasional build root project and, and that's it. Some people are crazy enough to use a desktop Ubuntu on the embedded devices. But, uh, so that, that's a good question. Why, why should we use Yocto instead of Ubuntu? Um, well, I had the, uh, the uh, metal sheet bending machines I mentioned. They had a huge a terminus, so that's a display computer, actually, 
with an AMD processor inside and they decided to use uh, Ubuntu desktop. So you, you basically have to cripple it. So you do not mm. want to uh, want the user to sneak behind your application and use it as a, uh, as a normal desktop uh, operating system. So you need kiosk mode mm. uh, if that's working properly. But then you, uh, you, you don't want to allow mouse, uh, mouse, normal mouse movement. So, and so you really have to forbid a lot of things. And it's, it's pretty difficult, I think, to, to, uh, to forbid all these things, to make it impossible. And then the updating process, that might be, might be the, the customer. It was a 40-step uh, process, manual process to, uh, mm. to up flash a new ubuntu system you probably could do it uh, faster mm-hmm. but it's it's a lot easier with yocto you you can start with a much smaller system you could say a minimal system well there's a lot of bloatware in there these days you have to get rid of that but it's fairly easy it's from your image recipe you just remove it you start with a small system and you add the things you need so i i I find it simpler than to to remove things uh, you don't want. That's uh, that's fascinating. So you start with a small system, add the stuff you need instead of starting yeah. with a bloated system and try to pare it down. So yeah, that's an excellent yeah. description of the difference. Yeah, I, I think it's or my experience is uh, cutting things down is uh, takes much more effort than adding the thing you need. Mm-hmm. Or maybe occasionally you remove things you don't need, mm-hmm. but it's all very simple in uh, in uh, in Yocto. It's typically just removing a, a line in your in your image recipe or mm-hmm. adding one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's extremely simple. Do that in Ubuntu. Yeah, <laughs> you have a package manager. And, uh, well, you have to use the package manager for updates. No, no. Then you need a, a server serving just the packages you want to allow on the system. So that's uh, that's uh, that's another effort. You, you can solve all these problems. Uh, yeah, the e-bike system that was uh, that was using Debian actually, but they they had to hire a, a Debian specialist for a lot of money. To get uh, to to get the uh, Debian system compile everything correctly uh, for uh, some Chinese SOC, um, mm. SOC. So and th- that guy wasn't available for some time. So uh, they actually had a delay in their schedule. And yeah, it's it's difficult, I would say. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot simpler these days with Yocto, and it got a lot simpler over the years. So yeah. typically you get a BSP which builds. That's a good start. There may be a bit too much in it. So the cute company always puts a lot of demos in there, which you don't want and which you will never need. So you have to get rid of these and some other things. But it's it's fairly straightforward. Yeah. So it's basically you're building a full system from source. And that's yeah. it big task and you know it is yeah yeah. and you need a very fast computer Mm -hmm. yeah under my desk here you have a a, a build server with two uh, xeon processors in there Mm -hmm. a lot of memory and i think 32 cores Mm -hmm. so i can build a, a, a 
good size Linux system with and from scratch in 30 to 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. And that's what, what you need. So that it was a good, uh, uh, it was a really good buy this this server. So yeah, <laughs> it was worth the, I think 7,000 euros or so. It was really yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. So, so speaking of like you, you know, so being kind of, I, I reckon, you know, involved in it from its infancy and until now. So, um, you know, there was some migrations that happened and like Qt4 was prevalent for a long time and then Qt5 came and then now Qt6. Yeah. So um, what were your experiences of like porting different applications from one to another and, you know, some of the new things that you found interesting and how was all that you know journey for you um the the port or the migration from q3 to q4 that was the worst one mm -hmm. i actually ported uh, that was when i was in england i ported uh an ide for bluetooth development used by csr now mm -hmm. part of qualcomm um I ported that from Q3 to Q4, a complete IDE. Uh, it took me, I think, eight months in the end. So we 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 were uh, we were estimating something like four to five months, uh, and that was a cautionary estimate already. And we were still off uh, way. So so they changed far too much. Um, yes. So you, you basically. Yeah, they introduced a proper uh, model view architecture for all the list views and so on. So you you rewrote uh, uh, large parts of the code. And so that was a really bad experience. But the other ones were basically trivial. So mm -hmm. just just last year, two years ago, last year, I think when Qt6 came out, I ported the uh, the terminal application for the sugar beet harvester, where I still have the sources. I just ported that for fun uh, from Q5 to Q6. Uh, took me two days, I think, two or two or three days, and then it was done. And that's yeah. actually that's about uh, how much it should be, and it's a pretty pretty easy, pretty smooth migration. And they but they, they learned their lesson. So they put a lot of effort into making things similar. So the the last Qt5 version is very similar to Qt6. And so you port first to Qt5.15 and then you mm -hmm. port to Qt, uh, Qt6. So mm -hmm. yeah, they, they also learned the lesson. I, I guess they were beaten up heavily for the Qt3 to Qt4 migration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So as as we look at at Qt, we have they have a QML. It's more of a declar yeah. declarative way to program, and then they have the more of the the older style C plus plus widgets. What do you see these days? What do you use? And and do you have any thoughts on on that? Uh, yeah, on 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 embedded devices, it's uh, it's pretty easy. It's uh, QML or Qt Quick is uh, is the way to go, mm -hmm. and the main reason for that is. Well, it's the simplicity of the language, obviously. With Qt widgets, you're writing in C++. With, with uh, QML, you write in... Uh, well, it's basically a, a, a property and, and value or a simple expression. And with the 
then you have some uh, touch or mouse or key handlers and that's uh, one or two lines of javascript typically calling into uh, c++ models if you do it right and so it's very simple uh, people can learn qml very quickly i just had on my current project someone who had never done qml I had a little bit of experience in c that was it got the training and then he did the um, large parts of the HMI of an excavator terminal, mm-hmm. which is amazing. And you still see it, so he can still learn a bit, but uh, well, it's okay. It's it's working, customer is happy, so what else do you need? And the technically the reason for this decision is um, QML can be uh, ex- uh, graphics accelerated, so uh, mm-hmm. it's easy to uh, accelerated with OpenGL, and these days you, you, you know, uh, most of the time you have uh, uh, a GPU on board wh- wh- which can do OpenGL uh, acceleration, and there's rarely one without. And the IMX sevens are a big exception, for example. Sure. And but the others, the IMX six, uh, does that uh, fantastic and you, you can get very fluid, very smooth animations and, and so on. And yeah, so that's the technical reason. And uh, I did uh, recently, I did one project again with Cute Richards. Uh, the, the customer decided that before I joined the project, uh, yeah, it's hard work. And it, it's about, I, I once measured it, I did, uh, uh, or um, Löwe, the, uh, German TV, luxury, uh, luxury TV maker, I think by now defunct. Um, well, <laughs> it's, it's the way. Um, they uh, did a prototype with Cute Richards for their TV. And then they asked me, hey, can you uh, uh, show us how you can do it in Q- uh, QML? Or they actually first wanted me to do it, uh, to overhaul it in, in, uh, in widgets and I said no way so, uh, and I do it in QML it's much faster nicer animations and so on and I reduced the uh, 20,000 lines of code to something like below 2,000 lines of code wow. and that's pretty typical and it's easy code mm-hmm. so it's, uh, you don't have to think about how to implement an animation you just say it's uh, it's an animation uh, of that kind, you want to animate, say, the position, then you animate the position, but you don't have to uh, to implement how you do that. So you don't have to look at the internals. So, yeah. and that's that's pretty typical for QML. So it's, I think, the best uh, thing thing that happened to to Qt going to uh, QML, and that's the envy of of many other uh, GUI frameworks. Mm-hmm. Makes life so much easier. Interesting. Yeah, so- Speaking of yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, speaking of the you know the the GUI frameworks, right? So um, there are kind of always this question. It it has been always there. What you know different frameworks to use? You know, you got um, you know some of the desktopish kind of GTK, and then got like cute, and then got nowadays web platforms, which kind of like was um, very famous, you know, in, or quite popular 
uh, mm-hmm. in adoption, you know, especially in last few years after the browsers came along. So, you know, what are like good applications that you think that fit cute and some of the trade-offs, you know, that are between say, you know, all these different technologies and platforms? On imperative devices, I think uh, your your best uh, your best bet is Qt and especially QML, mm-hmm. uh, and I think I mentioned the reasons. If you compare it, so I, I did a comparison for a home appliance maker between uh, QML uh, writing the uh, their GUI in uh, QML and uh, writing it with I think uh, it was Angular at that time. But you could put any other uh, fashionable web framework there, and well, we we could work out that to get say smooth animations, which is trivial with QML, um, to to get that working with a web framework, it's difficult, and you uh, and you actually see that. Uh, if you look at what Netflix uh, has been doing, they are using a, uh, they are using uh, some self-written web framework. So they got rid of basically nearly everything and every every HTML and most of the CSS because CSS does some in the end some tree transformations, global tree transformations you can do. So don't use that. And they settled with a lot of JavaScript, rewrote their GUI library in JavaScript and, and optimized that uh, over years and, 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 and personal years of uh, effort uh, for their TVs. And I, I still say the, uh, the, the experience there sucks. Mm. It's, yeah, okay, they have the trouble. They have a large spectrum of different hardware with or without uh, graphics acceleration, which doesn't make it easier. But yeah, it's uh, it's a painful uh, user experience. Even if you look at something like Apple TV, uh, which is definitely native. Um, yeah. And I think some of the third party apps, they are not native. They are web. They should be web. Um, it's challenging. So it's uh, it's and it's it's clear it's it's look at the size of uh, of say a cute web engine a mm-hmm. uh, hundred megabytes on the on the hard disk you can probably the chromium browser i found is 40 megabytes and you need the complete uh, uh, engine of whatever you are using and nowadays uh, cute comes with a chromium uh, engine Great. Um, libqt web engine is is 100 megabyte you can probably bring that down to 80 or 60 but i don't care that's that's an effort i don't have to spend the qml engine comes uh, in at six or eight megabytes and mm-hmm. um, okay you need that space on your on your flash drive on your ssd uh, and uh, if you load it uh, it takes ages and you have to load it yeah. You, you probably don't need uh, 99% of the features in the web engine because they take time. So, uh, uh, and so you have to load it. The startup times are slow. Uh, you can't, in a car, you have to be, uh, you have to be able to interact with the GUI within typically uh, two seconds. 
that's mm -hmm. what you get. Well, the navigation is always excluded because they can't do it uh, under five or six seconds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you typically boot up the system when you uh, when you press the key fob, so you get uh, some extra seconds. But the requirement is two seconds. You can't do that with with web. Uh, just loading that takes time, and the the startup time is dominated by the time uh, by the size of your of your file you're reading in of your binary and that's already huge uh, with web so that's that's one thing and the the other thing is um yeah uh, so the uh, i've i've seen web applications or on embedded devices animations are never smooth they're they're always jerky and yeah it's hard to uh, accelerate these things properly it's not mm -hmm. as simple as with QML, which maps very nicely on or dir uh, and directly on OpenGL. So, yeah, it's uh, and then we we came if we if we wanted the same user experience with uh, with a web framework on these home appliances, uh, we would have to take a, a more powerful stock. So mm -hmm. we would have to move, say, from an uh, well, the, an IMX8 wasn't even available at that time. Yes. So the IMX six wouldn't really do, or they could with QML. They could even stay with an uh, IMX five. So and that means you are saving money if you can go to a smaller, less powerful stock. That means you you save there. You would have saved something like like eleven dollars per device. Mm. And if you multiply that by a million devices or even more, uh, that's a substantial cost saving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So one one processor we see a lot is the IMX six UL, kind of more for headless gateways. Would would uh, Q, uh, QML run on that processor? I think, if I'm not mistaken, it doesn't have OpenGL acceleration. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. yes, uh, QML runs on it. Uh, absolutely, uh, it, uh, QML also runs without hardware acceleration, so it's then software mm -hmm. rendering, complete software rendering. So you will see the CPU uh, load go up. Sure. And, but uh, I I got it running on an oh what was the IMX uh, thirty thirty one and twenty seven. So but that was QWidgets software mm -hmm. rendering. Yeah. That's another reason why QWidgets isn't a good choice. It's extremely hard to uh, ex uh, graphic accelerate it uh, because it's an imperative language. Uh, so where you always say what you are doing, and, and that's the that's the benefit of QM, uh, of a declarative language like QML. It's you, you have more degrees of freedom to optimize things uh, in the way you can move them easily around and. Yeah, so same as, yeah. So, uh, and it's the same thing with web. But you can run QML on an IMX 2731. So without graphics acceleration, I've done, uh, I've done some projects uh, on that. Um, you you should, should avoid animations. Mm -hmm. You can get a, a speedometer needle pretty smooth. Um, but you shouldn't try to have, say, five needles in parallel. <laughs> so sure. that would be pushing your luck. Yeah. Or, or full screen animations. Okay. Yeah, they will drop some frames. Though. Sure. 
Okay, uh, so your all. So if you have no graphics acceleration, you have to tone down your expectations. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. No 3D graph graphics. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so, um, so I think you've been building systems right from for many many years, and I'm pretty sure you have kind of developed some uh, templates or some aspects of um, building these complex systems, whether it is Yocto or you know some others prior to that. So, do you have any tips or you know you know your best methods of using CI, uh, you know, in this kind of uh, modern systems nowadays which are quite complex um yeah i'm just getting into uh, uh i'm just about to set up uh, my first continuous delivery pipeline for uh, a linux uh, system uh have done one for for an application um which still ran on the uh, on, on a desktop um so i'm still pretty new in that mm -hmm. uh, so ask me in, in in two months or so, and I can tell you can tell you a lot more how that's working. I th yeah, probably um, we'll look for a newsletter from you <laughs> and some entries in there. <laughs> uh, hang on, I was thinking about something. Um, well, if you look at the architecture side, so of your uh, main application, which is typically running on your on your system, then uh, my experience, what I worked out over the last years or understood over the last years. So my starting point there is the so-called ports and adapters architecture, also known as, uh, as hexagonal architecture, mm -hmm. uh, which, uh, well, the main idea is your business logic has several ports. So typically you have a port uh, to do the machine communication. You have one to talk to the uh, to the database, you uh, always have a database, you talk to the cloud nowadays, and you have a port to the GUI. So that's your, your standard ports. And a port is an interface. And what is, uh, for the business logic, what's behind the port? So how you do the communication with, with your uh, electronic control units on a harvester? It doesn't matter. So the rest of the application doesn't know. It's just this adapter adapts, uh, say, the CAN communication to your interface, which doesn't know anything about CAN communication. So you could use Ethernet instead, or broader reach, or whatever is the, is the next rate, or just move from basic CAN to CAN FD to CAN uh, XL, or from chain 1939 to, uh, I don't know, CAN Open or OPC UA, or whatever you want. And it doesn't matter. The rest of the application doesn't see it. You can flip mm. out the uh, the database, uh, say, and uh, many use an SQL database. Why? You typically should use a time series database for the data on harvesters and tractors and construction machines. That uh, might be more suitable. Or you can use the, the, the adapter for the GUI. You can write your acceptance tests, so mimicking what the user does as another adapter for the GUI port. Mm -hmm. And you have a fantastic uh, way to test your whole system. Yeah. And that's 
that's uh, that's these days that's my starting point. Mm -hmm. And uh, if I say if I uh, come into a uh, into a legacy project, I would first check their architecture and try uh, try to find out where they where they have problems, where they don't uh, have this clear separation of business logic in the core and then the ports and the adapters around it. And so that's that saves you a lot of uh, that saves you a lot of time. And when it comes to Yocto, I think some 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 basic tricks um, are definitely find uh, find a, a SOC or SOM or terminal manufacturer who has um, has a pretty recent Yocto version. So there are too many around there. So uh, my current one is still on uh, Yocto 2.7. Uh, so now try to fix, say, uh, what, what really happened there is the cameras, so heavy duty cameras on an excavator. Uh, the video streamed to Qt6 is delayed by three seconds. Mm. And so we try, uh, I tried a couple of fixes. That's uh, that's a cute problem, by the way, but it's exacerbated by the fact that we are still on 2.7. So I have to build cute outside uh, the Yocto build against the SDK. That's the quickest way to, to build Qt6. Mm. Otherwise, integrating it into a very old Yocto, have fun with that. Mm. That's a lot of effort. And uh, yeah, and then you might have to build the libraries Qt Multimeter depends on as well because you have very old versions. And so you, you have a, a, a long tail of things you have to do. Yeah. So try get a recent uh, BSP and select the, the SOC or some for, for a very recent one. Make sure that you can build it easily. Mm -hmm. So uh, most I don't know a BSP which comes uh, uh, where you can do a really a one on build, which would be ideal for uh, for a CI/CD pipeline. Uh, there is none, uh, and if you want to to have that, I would suggest you use CAS, which is uh, basically a, a Docker container which uh, builds uh, does Yocto builds. You have uh, you describe the layers uh, that you need in a, in a YAML file, which is extremely simple. And you throw the YAML file at the uh, at CAS and it builds it and it's mm. uh, it's working. So that's the one command build you need for for a CI CD pipeline. And uh, that's an excellent starting point. And then probably with the with the pipeline, you, you should have you should definitely have uh, several stages. Um, you don't build the Linux uh, Linux system in, in first stage, in the so-called commit stage. The commit stage just runs uh, your unit tests. And to make sure that your changes, which you are about to commit, uh, um, most likely don't break anything. So you want a high confidence that nothing is broken and that should work in uh, less than five minutes, no matter how how big or complicated your system is. Mm -hmm. That's normally uh, it's, uh, had a client last year 
uh, well, their build times were at 45 minutes or so. And yeah, they were building the whole system. You, you just have to build the tests and not the whole system. Yeah. And if one of the tests fails, you, uh, you say, okay, you can't uh, integrate your change. Something is wrong and you fix it. And then, of course, in the commit stage, uh, the result is, uh, uh, is uh, uh, an application, a binary, which you can install on the, uh, on the device. And then in the acceptance stage, so where you obviously run acceptance tests, so that's basically what the user uh, would do, uh, how, it, uh, how the user interacts with your system, you automatically install things on your device. Um, as uh, as the end of the of, of the build, and then you run the acceptance tests and prop, uh, on the device on the uh, in the real environment in the production environment in the end, and then you have uh, and you you can run some some static analyzers or dynamic analyzers or the sanitizers for example. You probably run uh, you 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 can run them. Uh, in the acceptance stage or even earlier in the commit stage and then you have a third stage uh, which i call the system stage and that's where you would build your your linux system with yocto and mm -hmm. that's a lot slower you, you do not have that many changes anyway you might have while you are ramping it up while you are creating your customized uh, linux system you might have some more but you can't uh, you can't kick off a build every whenever you do a change it takes too long so you probably uh well if you if you know your build server you build it every hour or every two hours or just over the night that might be might be okay yeah or you, just the person working on it will build it locally or so or will trigger the build manually yeah. but then if you do it automatically then do it every two hours or when the load on your build uh, building uh, pipeline service is, is low, so you have to get it off the the beaten path. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's a bit. Uh, that's what I learned. So I, I helped uh, uh, make of professional appliances last year to introduce continuous delivery. So the practices and principles which go to uh, yeah uh, both team and software architecture so it uh, it uh, influences both and conveys law uh, fits the things together and uh, so they they had to build the the pipeline so i def uh, i uh, we, we together defined it so i uh, basically what i just told you here and then they did the implementation so they had a little infrastructure team uh, doing the pipeline with jenkins actually Mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah, so we got down the build times of the whole system to something like, on average, I think something like 10, 12 minutes. Mm -hmm. So that's quite good from 45 to 50 minutes. Mm -hmm. And if you run, uh, we ramped up the testing, introduced TDD and trunk based development and all the continuous delivery practices or many of them step by step. And yep, now they are in a lot better shape. Mm. Yeah, those are, those are great ideas. Appreciate you yeah. sharing those. We will continue this conversation in the next episode of the Tempter Podcast. So please join us then to hear the rest of the conversation with Burkhard Stuber. Thank you.